0: Well, good morning. I'd love to know how Mason is aware of the taste of the back of an elephant tongue. Anyone else curious about that? I am. I look forward to hearing that, Mason. Well, welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Tim, and I am one of the pastors here, and we are delighted to be here with you. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we are so excited you're with us, and uh, just want to let you know uh, there's going to be a few weekends that my family and I will not be here has nothing to do with how much we like you or not like you, but we get the opportunity to visit a couple other campuses. Next weekend is going to be one of those weekends, so we will miss you. I'm sure you won't even notice we're gone, but uh, that'll be that. Um, As you guys get to know me, you'll probably learn that I have really enjoyed doing wilderness trips. I've enjoyed doing these backpacking canoe trips to Algonquin Park to the Boundary Waters. I've even done trips on the Appalachian Trail. It's just been a huge highlight of, of what I've gotten to do apart with, uh, connected with ministry. And so about four years ago, I took a group of students to Algonquin Park and as we were getting ready to communicate this, I had to decide, okay, how many students do I think I'll need? Because that's going to impact how many leaders I'm going to recruit. So I picked the number 21. I didn't really think that there was going to be 21 senior high students, 9th through 12th grade, who actually wanted to go out in the woods and canoe and backpack with me. So we put that up there. Sign-ups went live, and we blew the lid off of the sign-ups. We ended up bringing 36 people to Algonquin Park in Canada. And that is crazy. That brought an insane amount of pressure on me. As I was preparing all of the leaders, as I was uh, figuring out travel routes, as we were getting gear, as we were organizing and buying food, all of that was weighing down on me. And then I found out that there was a girl who was diabetic. Now, I've brought several kids out there with all sorts of food allergies It's one thing to keep kids away from peanuts, but then you got another girl who is relying on a machine to help regulate or identify what she needs to do with her insulin. And that totally freaked me out. And as I was talking to her mom, she was saying, okay, she just needs to bring some extra fruit snacks, some juice boxes, and some insulin tablets. I'm like, oh, no problem. That's fine. And then her mom says, well, she needs to have those in her tent with her at night. And I was like, whoa. Now we've got a problem. I don't know if you've ever gone camping or if you've ever done like an overnight trip in the middle of the woods, but my rule is there is no food in the tent. In fact, if it has a scent, it stays out of the tent. No candy bar wrappers, no deodorant, no toothpaste, because the last thing you want is Yogi Bear rushing into your tent because he smells Snickers. So I began to freak out, and the stress began to pile on me. And so eventually we found a bear-proof, scent-proof bag. And I thought, oh, well, maybe that's going to work. But that didn't really relieve any of the pressure or any of the stress that I was feeling. In fact, the closer we got the trip, the more stressed out I began became. Because I was so consumed with all of the nitty-gritty details, getting kids across the border with their documentation, making sure that the leaders were equipped to help these kids travel safely. And I began to worry. I began to become stressed out. What if something happens to this girl's insulin? We can't just paddle up to the closest urgent care. We're taking a helicopter out of there. What happens if one of these groups there, they're not with me, and they get lost? What happens if we have trouble crossing the board, And all of that was overwhelming me. And I've begun to wonder, am I the only one who wrestles with stress? I think we've all experienced stress, right? Stress in our marriage, stress raising our kids, stress in our jobs, stress at school. Life has a way of bringing circumstances that can overwhelm us. So the question is, how do we battle stress? What's your battle plan when stress comes into your life? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. We're actually gonna look at a lady named Martha who lived over 2,000 years ago. So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 10. We're gonna talk about how do you win the battle over stress. Luke chapter 10 starts off in verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, we have it here on the screen. Um, We'd also love to give you a Bible. We have those in the back. That is our gift to you. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So if these single ladies were on some kind of Christian dating app, uh, I would think most single guys would look at a girl named Martha, and they would be excited about her. Now here's what her profile might look like. She's from Bethany. She's a homeowner, super hospitable, good cook, homemaker. I mean, most guys, if they were looking for a girlfriend, they would look at Martha, and they were like, she's the one, right? I'm going to click on that one. And then you look at Mary. She's a millennial, hanging out at her sister's house, sitting on the floor, watching Netflix. You're kind of like, "Mm, not so sure. But this is not a, a Martha is a terrible person sermon, okay? You look at Martha's situation, and we can see how she would be overwhelmed with all of the preparations and everything that is going on. But what I want to look at is how Jesus responds to Martha And so first of all, let's look at the different sources of stress. But before we look at the sources, let's define stress. WebMD says, stress is your body's reaction to pressure from a certain situation or event. It can be a physical, mental, or emotional reaction. So pressure and stress are very different. And I think oftentimes we see these terms as interchangeable, but they're really different. You have pressure in your life. It could be external, it could be internal, and the reaction to that pressure oftentimes is stress. A pastor friend of mine defined it this way. He said, stress is the mental and emotional tension that is generated from our unbiblical response to pressure. And when I heard that, that kind of put me back a little bit. But you think about it, what is the biblical category that stress might fall under? It'd be trials, how should we consider our trials? Trials of various kinds. There's trials, there's pressure, there's difficult situations, and how we respond to that makes a difference. But how do we win the battle over stress? So let's look at the sources of stress. Verse 40, it says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Distractions, that's a huge source of stress. In medieval times, you would die by distraction. What they would do is they would tie your your arms and your legs to four different horses, and they would send them off into four different directions, and you would have death by distraction. You're being pulled in different places. And that's what Martha's going through right now. Martha is distracted. She's overwhelmed by all of the preparations that's happening. She is consumed with looking at the meal prep, getting the house ready, getting everything just right. And so Martha is distracted. She's concerned with everything. But the one thing that she ought to be looking at is Jesus. He's right there in her home. But she is doing some really great things. There's nothing wrong with getting a meal ready. There's nothing wrong with organizing your house. There's nothing ready with making arrangements for for people who are gonna sleep. But at that time, she was distracted from the most biggest and important priority ever, and that's Jesus. She's doing it for the Lord, but her priorities were all twisted and messed up, and that led to a totally different attitude And her attitude, she is frustrated, she's agitated, she's upset, she's mad at what's going on. She's angry at Jesus. So many distractions. One of them is is technology, right? We all have phones, tablets, computers, and they can be a, a great resource or an asset, but they are also a huge distraction. The average adult under 40... Touches their phone 2,700 times a day. 2,700 times a day, we're touching it. 77% of Americans have a smartphone, and half say they could not live without it. In fact, 20% say they would rather go without their shoes than their smartphone. We are messed up people. We are so addicted to our technology, and they can be a distraction. Not only are they a source of stress, I think it's something that we often run to. We want to be distracted. When, When life overwhelms us, when the pressure starts coming in us, we turn that release valve and we run to distraction. We love to scroll on social media. We love to binge watch TV shows. And so not only are there technology distractions, but I would say there's also intentional distractions. We are really good at becoming busy, at at filling our lives with things that are urgent, but they're not important. It's called busyness. Corey Ten Boom says, if the devil cannot make us bad, he will make us busy. You and I are so good at filling our lives with busyness. We feel like we have to work more hours. I have to check my email. I have to respond to this text message right now. Me, on Sunday, I have to check my fantasy football scores. It's ridiculous because I don't even watch real football. But I'm getting close to the winner's bracket. So there's that. (laughs) Moving on. Second source of stress. Expectations. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Who put those expectations on her? Did Jesus walk into her house and say, Martha, I want that chicken stew, I want that homemade bread that you make that I can dip with the oil, and I want this bedroom cleaned up? Who came in? Who made all of those expectations? Martha put the expectations on herself. So many times we put these expectations on us, or we give in to the expectations that we think others have. But what is the one expectation that God has for us? That we would live our lives for His glory. That whatever we eat, that whatever we drink, that whatever we do for that day, we would do it for His glory. We would do it to make much of Jesus. What's the one thing that God wants? Verse 42 says, just love him and listen to him. What does Jesus want from you right now? To love him and to listen to him. Paul Tripp talks about the circle of responsibility. And there's this small circle in the middle. It's a responsibility, and you and I have all sorts of different roles, Right? I have a role as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a neighbor, as a co-worker, as a, as a son. Right, We all have these different roles that God has given you, and as you have those different roles, the one thing that God wants you and I to do is obey, that as a husband, I would be obedient in fulfilling that role, leading my wife and my family well, as a husband, as a father. As a pastor, my role is to live and shepherd and lead people for his glory. But then we have another circle, the outer circle. It's a circle of concern. There are things in your life and in my life that are important to us, but we don't really have any control over those things, do we? One of those things might be like my kid's health or my kid's well-being or what will they do for a living? Or maybe I'm, I'm concerned about my neighbor, or maybe I'm concerned about the salvation of a friend. Those are things that are important to you and I, but I can't do anything about those things. So what do we do? We need to entrust those to God. That's what we do. There are things in your life and in my life that I need to recognize. They're not my responsibility. I can't. Give a money-back guarantee that my kids will grow up and love Jesus. I wish that I could. I would give you that formula right now. I wish I could give you the formula to make sure that your kids were always healthy, that my kids were always healthy and safe. I have to entrust my kids to the Lord. He gave them to me, and I, I am taking care of them. I am a steward of them. But I entrust them to God. But Sometimes these circles, they can shrink and they can expand. If that circle, that inner circle of responsibility begins to shrink, then I begin to say, you know what, God? That whole working thing, providing for my family thing, I'm not going to go to work anymore. Or, or that whole leading my family thing, that whole being, being a father and a husband thing, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to shirk my responsibility. But that circle of responsibility can expand too. And I begin to take on things that are not my responsibility. And in a sense, I become a mini Messiah, believing that I'm in control of the health, that I'm in control of other people's salvation, that I'm in control of the well-being of my kids. I can train and teach my kids. I can help them to eat healthy. I can take them to get uh, seen by a doctor when they're sick. But I can't control that. I have to entrust that To God. And so as you begin to wrestle with pressure and stress, one of the things I've learned to do is identify what are the pressures in my life right now. And I often, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'll make a list of those things and I will write all of them down. And as I begin to identify them, I distinguish which of these things are my responsibility. And oftentimes. That list is really, really small. And I look at all the things that I am stressed out about that are not my responsibility. I go, okay, I can't really do anything about that. Can't do anything about that. Can't do anything about that. I need to pray and entrust that to God. That is one of the ways we can fight and battle against stress. Third source of stress, actually, back up. I think one thing we need to be reminded of is is it's going to be okay to let people down. So many times we have these expectations that I have to please everybody else, right? But you will never please everybody else. You have to. I have to be okay with letting people down. I can't be a people pleaser. Third source of stress is fear. Martha is afraid that everything won't be Perfect. She is working and screwing around, trying to get everything just right. Fear says, I need and I might not get. I need and I might not get. If we want comfort, we fear pain. If we want approval, we fear criticism. If we want money, we fear need. And I know as a guy... I don't want to admit that I'm afraid of anything. I try to put on my tough guy face and say fear is actually afraid of Tim Sullivan. But the truth be told, I don't always respond well, and you see what I want, and I will often look at or reflect what am I fearing? I'm afraid of people's criticism, I'm afraid of their rejection, I'm afraid of what they're going to think of me. I'm seeking their approval. So many times, fear can be a source of our stress. How can I be a people pleaser and make everyone happy? I can't. I have to give that over to God. I have to entrust other people's opinions about me to God. And so, it's really important to identify those fears and those emotions. Ed Welch says this about worry. He says, worry reveals our allegiances. Fear and worry are not mere emotions. They are expressions of what we hold dear. Your emotion reveals your devotion. Our emotions, fear, worry, anger, stress, depression, all of those, those are like the indicators on your dashboard in your car. You have a little light that that blinks orange. It says, hey, you might want to put some gas in that thing, (laughs) Right? I love to drive my car on empty, and it totally freaks Shana out. You also have a little indicator on, on some of your cars that say, hey, your tire pressure's a little low. Uh, you also have the dreaded check engine light. I have no idea what that thing is for. I usually ignore that. But those lights are simply indicators about something that might be going on in your car. And that's how our emotions are. They're simply indicators of something that might be happening inside of your heart. And so pay attention to those things. Ask yourself, do I care about this too much? Let's take a look at a few of the side effects. First side effect of stress. Mary comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her, Jesus. Tell her to help me. One of the side effects is I begin to tell God what to do. And I become angry when God doesn't do what I want. Have you been there? Have you been in a situation praying, thinking, desiring, this is how I want my life to happen? This is how I want this to unfold. And then when it doesn't, we're mad, we're angry, we tell ourselves a false narrative that if God really cared, He would do this. If God really cared about me, He would do this. So one of the side effects is that we begin to tell God what to do and we become angry with Him. Sometimes we think, He owes me. We tell ourselves this story. And I wonder if Martha was wondering, God, don't you care? Don't you care about me? Look at what's happening. But Jesus didn't respond harshly. I mean, Jesus could have said, hey, Martha, in 11 days, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to pay for all of your sins. I'm going to cover this. He didn't respond that way. He is absolutely amazing as he comforts her. Second side effect is I, I begin to blame others for my problem. She says, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this? This is Mary's fault. Look what Mary's not doing. She is lazy. And she is slacking. How often do we blame others? The pressure begins to overwhelm us. It's daunting. And we go, well, If my husband would only do this, if my wife would only do this, if my kids would only listen more, if my boss would only listen more, if my teacher would only be more fair, if my coach. And we look at everybody else. If everybody else would just fill in the blank, then I wouldn't be so stressed out. We love to blame others. It's like Martha saying, Jesus, what are you doing? You're just talking about all this life transformation and, and sin and heaven, and, and you're missing the fact that Mary's not even helping me with the table. We blame others all the time. I would say a third side effect is we begin to turn that release valve, and we begin to run to escapism. We run to our phones. We run to media, sometimes run to alcohol or drugs or pornography or We turn that release valve and we run to other things to serve those things, to chase those things down. And that's why I believe that stress is an unbiblical response to pressure. Look at verse 41. Here's what Jesus says. Here's the solution. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You have worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, or she has chosen best, and it will not be taken away from her. The solution to stress is sitting with the Savior. That's what Mary's doing. She is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening and hearing him. Imagine Someone that you wanted to spend time with. Someone from history they're no longer alive with. Maybe someone really important. Could be a past president. Could be Mother Teresa. Could be Abraham Lincoln. And they're there in your house. And you are doing all of the dishes, all of the meal prep, cleaning up the house, organizing things, and you're too busy to sit and talk with them. That's the situation here. Jesus says the one thing that matters, Mary is doing it. It looks like she's doing nothing, but she is spending time with her Savior. Things that Martha was doing, they weren't bad, they weren't sinful, they weren't evil, but in that moment, those were not the right things to be doing Too often we experience stress because we are trying to do too many things. Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. We need to become intentional about the time we have, intentional about how we spend that time, And so as you go, my challenge to you is to pick up one of those Bible reading plans. There's a 365-day plan, pretty robust, and then there's a a 30-day plan. Pick one of those plans and figure out, when am I going to spend time with God? Carve out, maybe for you, if you've not read your Bible at all, or if you've not read your Bible in months, it's been a while, figure out, okay, can I spend five minutes with God today? Maybe in the morning, maybe on my lunch break, maybe I'm gonna listen to the Bible app on my way to work or school. Carve out some time and be intentional. And here's how you do that. You open up your Bible and you begin to pray and you ask God to help you. You ask God to reveal himself to you. And then you read five verses, 10 verses. Start small, make it doable. You start making some observations of what does the text say? Words or phrases that repeat questions you have, things that jump out to you. Do this, don't do that. Just spend time meditating on his word. I want to do that real quick. I want to take 120 seconds for you to talk to him right now. And I'm going to put a verse on the screen. I'm gonna Matthew 11, 28. And I just want you to take the next two minutes. Talk to him. Tell him about your stress. You can read that text, reflect on it, or just pray. Ask him to help you. two minutes today, how much time will you take tomorrow to carve out some time to spend with God, to read, to meditate, and to hear what he's saying? You know, as I got closer to that wilderness trip, I had to get alone with God. I had to identify some of those pressures in my life, those things that I was concerned about, important to me, And I had to begin to entrust all of those things to him. Entrust the safety of those kids, the routes, whether we were going to get lost, the outcome of those trips. I had to entrust all of it to him. That is how we battle and fight against stress. And it is a battle. We fight every day. Sometimes we get knocked down. And we get back up and we continue to fight and battle stress. Our primary goal in handling life's pressures is not to eliminate them, but our goal is how do we learn to depend on God more? And so I want to leave you with these three ways we can apply this. Number one, trust that God is sovereign. The God of the universe is sovereign. He's in control of the pressures. In fact, he's using them right now to mold and shape you and I to become more and more like Jesus so we can entrust our concerns to him. Secondly, pray specifically. Go to God and pray about your stresses and your pressures and know and thank him that he is good and he's using them. Third, sit with the Savior. Spend time with him in his word. And one more thing, if you want a, a reminder to pray this week, you can actually text the word prayer to this number, 570-278-2352. Text the word prayer to that, and we'll send you a reminder to pray. Let's pray right now as we close. God in heaven, you are amazing. Recognize that there's a lot of of hardships and difficulties happening in our lives. Recognize that uh, our lives are filled with pressure. We're stressed out. Some of us are overwhelmed. Some of us are feeling like we are just at the very end of our rope. And I ask that you would come alongside everybody, part of Bridgewater. You would comfort them. They would feel your loving arms wrapped around them and that we would learn how to depend on you. We would learn to trust you. We would learn to entrust our difficulties and our pressures to you and to you alone. Father, help us to walk by faith when things don't make sense. Help us, give us the strength to lean on and depend on you. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you guys to stay.